All right, well, good morning. How's everyone this morning? Thank you for that. All right, so for those who don't know me, I'm Lucas, one of the pastors here. Brent is on vacation. Uh, but we are continuing. We've been, uh, the last, I guess, three or four weeks, we've been going through a series uh, on the spiritual disciplines. We've been calling it Habits. And so the, uh, uh, so we've been going through, last week Brent was, uh, was doing prayer, and then he did solitude, and just different, different uh, practical habits uh, that you can implement into your spiritual life. We're called to grow in godliness. We're not saved by our godliness, but we're saved unto godliness, and so uh, we are called to cultivate different uh, types of spiritual habits uh, into our lives. All right, so this morning we're going to be talking about uh, the, uh, the, the daily practical reality of repentance. Okay, and I, I know that when I, when I say that, uh, repentance, uh, maybe uh, w- when some of you hear it, does not sound like a very daily reality. Uh, f- for many of us, repentance uh, is a word that is synonymous with salvation. Uh, you know, so how are you saved? Well, you have to repent of your sins and you have to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And uh, so, so for many of us, repentance is not a habit that we're, we're called to grow in, but it's, 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 a, uh, it's a one-time reality that we do, and then we move on to uh, bigger and greater things, okay? But this morning, what I want to do is I just want to convince you uh, that repentance is not a, a one-time event, okay? So it's not, it's not simply, it is, it is something that you do at the beginning of your salvation. Uh, it is something that you have to do in order to be saved, but it's not simply a one-time event, okay? It's, 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 it's something that you do all throughout your sanctification, all throughout your growth as a Christian. And in fact, it, it's something that you get better at. Uh, as you grow as a Christian, it is something that you grow in, okay? And uh, as John the Baptist said here, uh, he, he said in verse 8, we bear fruit in keeping with repentance, okay? So it's not something that we move away from. It is something that we keep at, Okay, the problem, is though, the problem is that a lot of us think that we have to move away from, from repentance. So, that, so this morning I want to convince you that we, we, don't, we don't move away from it. We actually have to maintain it. Okay? And just to give you a couple uh, illustrations before we, we dive into our, our sermon this morning. Repentance is a lot like marriage and a lot like being on a diet. Okay? So just here, here's two illustrations. So first of all, repentance is a lot like marriage. Uh, when I first got married... The best advice that I got as, as a married person was to continue dating my wife. Okay, raise your hand if you've, if you've ever gotten that, or your husband. If you're <laughs> Don't stop dating your spouse. That was the best advice that I'd ever gotten. Uh, you know, because you know, mar- marriage, is, marriage is, is tough, but that, that is the one uh, best, single best piece of advice that I got as a married person. Because the, the, there, there's this horrible assumption that dating or going out, or cultivating relationships, is simply for the pre-marriage time. Especially, it's, it's more uh, t- uh, tempting for the men, because the men like to pursue the women, right? And, and, and once, you, once you got the girl, you know, once you got the, 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 you know, the ring on the finger, then, then you stop dating her, okay? And that is a horrible, horrible thing to do. If you're married, uh, stop that, you know? Uh, continue dating your wife. Continue dating your husband. Because the reality is, uh, marriage is, is, is not the cessation of a development of a relationship, it's the expansion of it. And a marriage grows the more that you get uh, to know your husband and your wife. And so what you, what you need to do is you need to continue dating, okay? Uh, so, so that's one thing that, that repentance is like. It's, you, you don't move away from repentance once you, once you get saved. Uh, you continue in repentance, okay? 
uh, repentance is also a lot like uh, dieting, okay? Now, <clears throat> I have a long history of dieting. I, I tend to go up and down and up and down on the scale. And, and one thing that, I, that for some reason all of us do is whenever we uh, want to lose weight, what we start to do is we start to eat healthy, right? Uh, we eat vegetables, we eat fruits, and, you know, we, we want to lose those 20 pounds, those 30 pounds, okay? But once we lose those 20 pounds and we get to our goal weight, what do we start doing? We start eating very, very unhealthy again, okay? <laughs> and uh, that, that is an awful thing to do because what are you, you going to do? You're going to gain weight again, you're going to blow up, and then you're going to go back on, 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 a, on the uh, starting to eat healthy again to, to lose the weight, Right? The reality is, the healthier you get, the more healthy you should eat. Okay? So this is what repentance is like. Uh, repentance is something in, in the Christian life that you should only get deeper okay, and better at. Right? And, and I just want to give you a, a few quotes here before we jump in. So first of all, I want to give you this quote from an uh, interesting name. I, don't, I know he's a uh, Russian Christian, but I don't know. He lived in the 19th century. St. Theophan the Recluse. It's an interesting name there. Uh, but he said, he said this, repentance is the starting point and foundation of our new life in Christ. And it must be present not only at the beginning, but throughout our growth in this life, increasing as we advance. Right? So it has to increase as we advance. It's the foundation, but it has to grow. It has to get bigger. Martin Luther, uh, in his first of his 95 theses, uh, he said this. This was in reaction to... Uh, the medieval practice of penance, which was only mandated once per year. <laughs> but he said, he said this, When our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said, Repent, he intended that the entire life of believers should be repentance. All right, so our entire life should be a, a habitual, daily uh, practicing of repentance. Okay, now how is that so? Well, that's, that's what I want to talk about this morning. All right, and we're in Matthew 3 this morning, and this whole sermon of John's is a sermon about repentance. So he has a lot to teach us, and uh, so let's go ahead and jump in. We're going to be looking at three different points this morning. So first of all, we're going to be looking at what exactly repentance is. Many of us are confused onto what, uh, as to what repentance actually means, so we're going to be looking at the definition of repentance, then why, uh, why, it's in, uh, why we need it, or why it's important, and then how do we repent. All right, so those three points, what repentance is, why we need repentance, and how to repent. So first of all, what is repentance? What is repentance? And before we look at all at, at, at this passage, I just want to look at this Greek word, repentance. Okay? It's all throughout the scriptures. Uh, it's even in the Old Testament. If you remember when God sent Jonah to the Ninevites, he, he gave uh, Jonah a, a one-word sermon. <laughs> right? Repent! Right? And, but, but, but as we move into the, uh, the New Testament, repentance is something that's literally all throughout the New Testament. John the Baptist preached uh, 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 repentance. Jesus preached repentance. The apostles, all throughout the book of Acts, all of their beginning sermons, they started with this command to repent. And it's found all throughout the letters of the New Testament. What exactly does this word mean? You know, very often the word repentance, uh, it's tied to uh, hellfire and brimstone preaching. Right, you'll see guys on, on the corner, you know, shouting for, for repentance, okay? Uh, but very little attention is actually pay, uh, paid uh, to this, this Greek term. And uh, the Greek term is a, is, it's a compound word. It's called metanoia. Can everybody say that with me? Metanoia, okay? It, it's a compound word. It's, it's made up of two words. Uh, meta means to change. So you can think of metamorphosis, which means to change the form. So meta, and then noia comes from the word uh, nous, which means mind, 
Okay? So, so, so literally, repentance means to change your mind. Okay? It means to change your mind about something. Uh, or to say it a, a different way, it means to change your perspective, to see things differently. All right? Uh, here, here's what uh, Callistos uh, Ware, he's a, uh, <coughs> an, an amazing author, he says this about repentance. He says, repentance means a fundamental transformation of our outlook. Okay? It's a new way of looking at ourselves, a new way of looking at others, and a new way of looking at God. All right, so at its, it's, at its most basic level, repentance means seeing things from a new light, uh, seeing reality uh, from a totally new perspective. Uh, that's, that's, at its, that's at its base. That's all that repentance means. It needs to see things from a new perspective. Okay, and if that's all that repentance means, that means that we literally repent all of the time. Okay, especially the older that we get, right? Uh, you know, the 10-year-ago the you, when you look back, what, what do you say? And that guy was dumb, right? <laughs> there was a lot of things that guy did that he thought was cool, and now I, I just see him in a totally different light, okay? Raise your hand if you've ever done that. <laughs> uh, when, when, uh, Ten years ago when I was in college, there, there was something that I used to think was very cool, and it's called sagging your pants, all right? And I, just, I was just like, this is just so cool, all right? And, and, and I, I'm embarrassed to say this, but this is how my wife and I met. My pants were like down to here, I had boxers, you know the puffy boxers that the people wear, you know? I was just like, this is just, I'm just, I'm a cool person. I, you know, talk to me, please, right? Now I look back 10 years ago and I'm like, how did Andrea ever talk to me, you know? How did she ever even like me, okay? That's all, that, that, that's what repentance is. It's seeing yourself, seeing the world, seeing reality from, from a different outlook, okay? I repented a lot during my time in Guatemala and not for a super spiritual way like Cody, Okay? I, I repented of my language, okay? I, I thought going to Guatemala, I, I you know, if you, you, I was just there for just a few days, but my, I took three semesters of Spanish, and a lot of these words, they came back to mind. So as the week goes by, I'm just like, man, I'm really good at Spanish. You know, like, I, I can talk really well here. So there was one time, like, towards the end of the week where I was getting more and more confident, uh, arrogant, really, that we went to this, uh, this, this real Guatemalan restaurant, because they have restaurants where the waiters, they speak English, and they're very nice, but this one, the waiter did not speak any English, and so Danielle Adams was our, was our local uh, Spanish teacher, so she was speaking Spanish, but she was not there at the lunch, and so we're, we're, there's like 17 of us at, the, at this, long, this, this, this long lunch table, and, and the waiter comes, and we assume that he speaks English, he does not, and so, uh, and so I'm like, ah, see, I will save the day. And, and, and so I, I start speaking to the waiter, and, and I'm trying to explain to him that we all want to order separately, and we all want separate checks. And so in my mind, my weird mind, I thought that I knew how to say we need separate checks, okay? So I'm, I'm explaining this to him, and I'm like, yes, we need separato cheques, yes? Okay? And, and he's like, ah, okay. And then he just walks away. And I'm like, oh, gosh. <laughs> right? And so Daniel Adams finally walks into the restaurant, and I'm like, Danielle, I don't know what I just said to this guy. <laughs> so he walks back, and Danielle's talking to him, and, and, and she's like, Lucas, you just ordered separate chickens for every single person. <laughs> okay? <laughs> All right? Now, that light bulb going on, guess what that is? <laughs> That's repentance, okay? I thought I was saying separate checks. I repented when I realized that I was ordering separate chickens. 
That's all that repentance is. Repentance is seeing things differently. It's a new vision of reality. That's what it means to repent, to change your mind. Now, what is Christian repentance? What is Christian repentance? Well, very simply, Christian repentance is seeing reality the way that God sees it. It's seeing the world from God's eyes. Okay, and Robert Barron, he's a, he's a phenomenal author. He has a book called, it's all about repentance. It's called, And Now I See. And he says that Christianity is above all a way of seeing. The whole point of his book is just to say that the whole point of Christianity is to see the world as God sees it. And it's to see God clearly. That's the whole point of Christianity. It's to see yourself clearly, to see God clearly, to see the world clearly. Uh, and this is a very Pauline idea. Uh, Paul, when he talks about repentance, he doesn't so much say the word as the idea. Uh, for instance, in, in, in Philippians 2, he says, have the mind of Christ. Okay? And, and by that he means see and act in accord with reality like Jesus Christ. He says, you know how Jesus Christ was on a throne? He humbled himself and he died. Have that mind among yourselves. Don't have a mind of arrogance, right? In other words, have a totally new mind according to Christ. Uh, he also says in Romans 12, he tells us to renew our minds according to the grace of God. Uh, that, uh, at its most basic, is what repentance is. Okay? So repentance is seeing reality in a new way. Let's go ahead and move on to our second point here. Why do we need repentance? Why do we need repentance? Why is it so important? Okay? And the simple answer is this. We need repentance because we cannot see reality clearly. Okay? We need repentance because we uh, are blind. Uh, we are lost in the muck and in the murkiness of our sin. Uh, we are totally blind. Of all the metaphors that the Bible gives for sin, one of the most prevalent metaphors is blindness and darkness. Okay, it's all throughout the book of John, but it's all throughout the, the, the entire Bible. Because of our sin, we cannot see ourselves clearly. We cannot see the world around us clearly. And, and, and what's worse is we don't even know it. We don't even know it. We think that separato cheques, for some reason, means separate checks, right? We think that sagging pants looks awesome, okay? We are blind, and we don't even know it. And uh, this is the entire point of this passage uh, that we come to here in, in, in Matthew 3. Because John comes and preaches this baptism of repentance. And we're told that people do repent. They come and they confess their sins and they're getting baptized. But overwhelmingly, the focus of this text is the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Over half of the text is focused on them. Okay? And... Uh, the moment that John sees these Pharisees, what does he say? He, he points at them. He says, you brood of vipers, right? He gets all angry at them, and he preaches at them, okay? Now, now, now why, why are they the focus of the text? Well, I just, I just want you to notice here, uh, in, in verse 7, we're told that the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they came to John's baptism, okay? And uh, that, that's a positive thing, but, but notice what they did not do. They did not repent, and they did not get baptized. Now, we, we, we don't know why they came. I imagine they came uh, with approval. Maybe they were standing out, you know, at, at the riverside, crossing their arms and saying, yes, John, you baptized those sinners. <laughs> but, but, but they came just to watch, okay? which, which means one uh, uh, very important spiritual 
uh, a thing. They thought that they were doing okay spiritually. Okay? And, and, the, and the whole point of this text is that the Pharisees are delusional. They are delusional. They are, pres- they are presuming that they are doing fantastic spiritually. And it, it, John, it, he doesn't, notice, he doesn't yell at anyone else except for the Pharisees and the Pharisees. Right? He doesn't yell at the people getting baptized. He doesn't yell at the, the sinners over there. He yells at the people who think that they're doing okay. And, and notice what he says to them uh, in, in verse 9. He says, Do not presume to say to yourselves, right, we have Abraham as our father. Now, Abraham was sort of the, the quintessential man of faith. And so, and so John is saying, don't say to yourselves, we're doing pretty good spiritually. We don't need to repent. John says, no, you need to bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Okay? Now, now what, what's going on here? The Pharisees are in a delusion. Uh, they're in a fantasy world. They're in the, the darkness of their sin, and they think they're doing okay. That, that's the whole point of this passage. And, and, you know, the Pharisees and the Sadducees do what all of us naturally gravitate towards. We all tend to live in a world of delusion. We, we, we all live in fake realities where we aren't sinners, where we aren't broken, where we don't need help, where, where, where it's, it's, it's those people's faults, not my fault. Okay? Where I, I am not the sinner, I am the righteous one. And let me teach you, right? We all naturally, because of our sin, we all naturally live in a world of delusion. Okay? And... Um, that, that's, the, that's the problem of, of our sin. We, we are in darkness and we don't even know it. We live in a fantasy world. Now, uh, I debated whether to do this illustration. It's one of my favorite movies, Shutter Island with Leonardo DiCaprio. Who's seen that one? Oh, nobody's seen it. Okay, it's been out like 20 years, guys, okay? I'm giving it all away. So you can go home and see it and get mad at me, but it's, it, I'm just going to give it away anyways. So Shutter Island... Um, uh, Shutter Island is like a better Sixth Sense. You guys know the Sixth Sense movie, right? It's like an even better Sixth Sense movie. Shutter Island has Leonardo DiCaprio, and, and Leonardo, he's just an awesome actor. He's very handsome. Um, I don't know why I said that. Why did I say that? Anyways, he's, he's it's, it's, it's every movie that he's in is great, okay? But uh, the movie starts out, he's, he's dressed up as a detective. The movie starts out, he's on the ship, okay? It's, it's based in like maybe the 1950s, 40s, whatever. He's going to this island. It's called Shutter Island. And it's, and it's this island with, with it's, it's, a, um, it's in a sign asylum, okay? He's going there, and he's going there to investigate the disappearance of one of the patients. All right, so that's how the movie starts out. And so uh, he gets to the island, and there's all this crazy stuff that's going on. He starts to believe that all of the doctors are in collusion, that, you know, they, 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 maybe they got rid of her, they killed her or something. And so he's going crazier and crazier and crazier. We'll come to find out at the very uh, end of the movie that he is... He used to be a detective, but he's no longer a detective. He's actually one of the patients at, uh, at, at this hospital. And uh, he, his wife had, had murdered uh, two of his children. It's very dark. Murdered two of his children. And instead of accepting reality, he went into a fantasy world where he's continuing to be this detective. He's continuing to solve uh, crimes. And over and over again, he wakes up every day in this insane asylum telling himself that he's a detective and he's coming to investigate. And so the, the, uh, the doctors at the insane asylum, they, they, try to, uh, they continue to try to get him out of it. 
try to get him out of it, and try to get him out of it. And they, and they set up these big scenes where they play along with him for a while, and they try to let him know, listen, you're, you're no longer a detective. You're, you're mentally insane. You need help. And over and over again, he refuses to believe it. He refuses to believe it. I won't give away the ending, but I've given away most of the movie, so sorry. <laughs> but but that, is, that is what sin is. Sin is refusing to believe reality. It's it's refusing to accept the reality that we are broken. That we need something outside of ourselves to save us. It's refusing to, to accept the reality that maybe we're wrong. <laughs> that maybe we are the ones that are wrong and, 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 and not those people out there. Um, and that's why we need repentance. Uh, at, at its most fundamental reality, un- unrepentance is simply the refusal to accept reality as we know it, okay? And this is why, <clears throat> excuse me, this is why the Pharisees, okay, this is why the Pharisees were under the threat of the wrath of God. It, 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 it was not because of their blatant sin, okay? It, it was not because of some awful thing that they were doing. It was simply because they refused to accept reality. And, and at the end of the day, people go to hell because they refuse to accept their brokenness. That's it. God offers mercy all day long, but if you won't, if you won't accept it, you cannot give it. So. <clears throat> so that's why we need repentance. Now let's look at our, our last point here. How do we repent? How do we repent? <clears throat> the discipline of repentance, uh, as should be obvious by now, it's, it's, it's it is the daily acceptance of reality. Uh, but to, to put it in more simple terms, it is practicing humility. Um, we never move away from the need to look at ourselves in the mirror. Uh, we never move away from the need to look at all our warts, okay, and all of our flaws, and all of our need. We never uh, wake up one day and say, you know what, I, I'm, do, I'm doing just fine. That, that is never a reality uh, in the Christian life. And uh, growing in repentance means facing uh, your sin head on. Okay? That's what, that's what uh, daily repentance is. Now I just want to, um, as we end here, I, I want to I read this, uh, I want to tell the story of Dante's Inferno. Okay? Uh, Dante's Inferno, and, and I want to do it from, uh, again, I'm, I'm quoting here from, from Robert Barron's book, And Now I See. But Dante uh, was, was, he was a, a medieval author, he was a Christian, but he wrote, he wrote a trilogy. Uh, one was about hell, one was about purgatory, and one was about uh, paradise. Um, <clears throat> but, and and, and uh, in Barron's book uh, about repentance, he begins with this story of Dante's Inferno. And, you know, the, the, the story is obviously a fiction, it's actually a poem. But, it, but it, uh, the, the stuff that he grabs out of it is just, is just very fascinating. And uh, the, the story of Dante's Inferno, it starts out with, with Dante. He's the main character. He puts himself in, in, uh, in this story. He starts out in, in, uh, in a midlife spiritual crisis. Okay? And uh, he, he says that he's walking through the woods and he's lost. He can't get out of the woods. And he says, midway through life, I'm lost, is what he says. And he's trying to get out of this spiritual crisis that he's in. 
And, and uh, he, he says that he begins by, he sees a hill that he, he tries to walk up the hill, but he's confronted by three monsters. Okay? So keep in mind, this is fiction, not real. Uh, he's confronted by three monsters. And so, so he, they won't let him pass. And ver, the ghost of Virgil, Virgil the poet meets him, and he says, listen, if you want to progress through this spiritual crisis, you have to travel into hell with me. <laughs> okay? So the whole first of the book is, is Dante saying, all right, I I guess if I want to get out of it, I'll, I'll, I'll go with you. And so he, he goes uh, into hell with Virgil the poet. And hell starts out really, really wide. And I think there's seven layers or something like that of hell. Starts out really, really wide. He enters into hell, and there's all these people that are being tormented. And, but, and the lower and lower he goes, the more constrictive that hell gets. Okay? And so finally he gets to the very bottom of hell. And uh, Satan is there, and Satan, uh, he's not ruling hell. Instead of, ru- instead of ruling, he's, he's uh, the most constricted, and he's suffering the most in a block of ice. Okay, so uh, Dante doesn't picture hell as hot. He pictures it as cold, stiff, uh, confining. And Satan is stuck there, and he's, he's weeping. That's all he's doing. And, and Virgil says, listen, if, if you want to get out of hell, grab onto Satan's uh, tufts of hair and climb down him. Okay, right? And, and here, here's, how the, here's, how the, uh, here's how the poem ends here. Uh, <clears throat> let me just find it here. Okay, D- Dante says this. He grabbed on to the shaggy sides of Satan. Then downward, tuft by tuft, he made his way between the tangled hair and frozen crust. Okay? <laughs> so he's, he's climbing down Satan, and finally he gets out, he gets out of hell, only by grabbing onto Satan and climbing down. So, so uh, what, what Barron does in his book is he says, well, what, what in the world, what, what's the spiritual, is there any type of meaning to this, or is it just some sort of fan, fan, you know, fantasy? And, and so here, let me just uh, quote Barron here. Here's what he says. He says, Dante escapes hell because he has thoroughly seen it, even to the point of witnessing the helplessness of Lucifer himself. He conquers hell by embracing it in the richest sense possible, hanging on the sides of Satan, as is urged by so many of the spiritual masters, the evil within has to be seen and confront, uh, concretely confronted, faced, and wrestled with. One must press one's nose up against the hairy sides of our sin and embrace it if we are to conquer it. Okay? You see what he's saying there? The, the, the only way to get out of our spiritual crises is not to climb up but it's to climb down and to witness the reality of our brokenness. We have to see it for what it is. Okay? We, can't, we, we can't be often here in, in a fantasy world where we're, we're not broken. The only way to get out, the only way to get out is to go down and to face our spiritual brokenness. Okay? Repentance is only by going down and seeing our need. And, you know, if you've been a Christian for any amount of time, you know, okay, you know that there is always some sin that you see and to repent of. And, and, and the daily uh, practice of repentance is getting up every day and facing it head on and reaching up for the help of Christ. Getting up day by day, facing it head on. And, 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 and you never stop repenting. Once you repent of one sin, you always find another. Once you f- repent of that sin, you always find another. Uh, that is how we progress in the Christian life. 
Right? We, we, we don't get away from, from being needy beggars. That's, that's the whole point of, of daily repentance. And so I encourage you uh, to face your sin head on, and, you'll, and, by, and by doing so, you'll be pulled out of the muck of your sin. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for uh, this offer of repentance. You offer it every single day to us. Uh, you give it to us every time we face it. Uh, you are a gracious Father who offers forgiveness and who offers rescue every time that we face it. Help us, uh, give us the humility to see ourselves as we are, uh, to see ourselves as broken in need of mending, as unrighteous in need of the righteousness of Christ. And by doing so, Father, we pray that you would pull us out of our sin. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.